0: It's time now for the PDX OWASP podcast, brought to you by the Open Web Application Security Project. The views of the guests do not necessarily represent the views of OWASP, their sponsors, and other stakeholders. Enjoy the show.
1: Today we're gonna to be talking about OWASP threat Dragon, and our guests are Mike Goodwin, the founder, and John Gatston, a major contributor to the project. ThreatDragon is a popular free tool used for threat modeling, including diagramming, threat identification, mitigation, and report generation. Mike is a VP of product security and architecture and technical fellow at Sage Software, an FTSC 100 company providing accounting, payroll, and HR software to businesses in 23 countries worldwide. John is a software engineer with ForgeRock in Bristol, a company that provides identity and access management services. Check out their full bios on this podcast post. Mike and John, we really appreciate you coming out and spending some time with us today.
2: Oh, it's a great pleasure, John. It's it's really good to be given the opportunity to speak about Threat Dragon. Yeah, me too. Love talking about ThreatDragon.
1: I'm extremely excited about today's podcast because you both created one of my favorite OWASP open source tool, ThreatDragon, and it's so useful at so many levels, which of course we'll be talking about here soon. But before we begin, tell us about yourselves. How did you both end up on the road to security?
2: Oh, right. That's stretching quite far back for me. So I never set out to be in security. I, I've been an embedded software engineer for, I think it's 35 years now, which is a very long time. And for the first 25 years of that, I must say I never considered security, product security. It was just embedded products I was working on, which I, I guess you'd call Internet of Things nowadays. We had trust anchors and secure bootloaders and crypto subsystems. But if anybody said, Oh, and how's somebody going to hack into your product out of well, Yeah, we, we, we can keep our private keys secure. That all changed about 10 years ago or so when Cisco came along and bought the company that I was working for at the time. And they really liked the product, but they sort of looked slightly sideways at us and said, Well, what about the product security? And that was really, it caught my interest because there they were, they were saying, okay, we will train you up in product security. They had a, still have a a big in-house training system. Went through all that. I ate all the lessons that they were sending me. I became one of their security advocates. So they had a security advocate program in in, within the company I went around dev teams talking about secure life cycles then they put me through the ISC squared CSSLP, which is certified oh I get this right certified secure software lifecycle professional program uh, and slowly but surely i I became a security engineer just really by showing interest when the opportunity came along and and enjoying it so, so that's where I am now.
1: That process is not unusual, especially more old timers, right? Coming in, there wasn't really a, even an academic approach to it, unless you want to just consider something like crypto. It was usually on the job where there was a need for it.
2: Indeed. And when I started out, sort of really software security was more to do with corporate network security. And it still is. I mean, that's huge, of course. But now it's the product security and breaking into you know, web applications didn't even exist oh thirty years
1: ago. Mike, what about
2: you?
3: So it's a similar kind of story in many ways. I, mean, I, I had a very brief couple of careers as a, an academic and then as a nuclear engineer before I got into software. I don't talk a about nuclear those engineer. Things. Yeah, no, I don't talk <laughs> about those. Is that right working?
1: Right. Are you using any of those methods now? Uh,
3: not not often. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I settled into software though about twenty years ago, and I, I can work for a long time as a developer and then as a, a technical architect. Um, and during that technical architect job, I was involved in what was a, it was really a large, very complicated and difficult and exciting and scary cloud migration project for the company that I, I, well, the company I still work for. And as, as part of our migration from from desktop to cloud, we realized we had to sort of significantly step up the way we thought about security in our products. So I, I was one of the leads on that, and uh, I just became really interested in it during the course of that project. I well, actually obsessed, really, I would say, rather than interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the project had finished, I, it was I was kind of looking around for some other opportunities what, what was i going to do next that was going to offer the same kind of challenge as that project and just coincidentally a, a role came up in the again in the company i still work for to help build an app capability in the company now I, th- I was thinking well I mean, Sage is uh, it's a very large company. It's the UK's largest software company and a FTSE 100 company. And I thought, well, it's not often you get an opportunity to to significantly impact the STLC of, uh, of a major software company. So I just sort of jumped into it. And that's about six years ago and never looked back.
0: All right. Some great ways for uh, people to get into the uh, business. And before we talk about threat and we have a lot of new folks to security in our chapter. What is threat modeling and why should people do it?
3: Threat modeling is a—it's basically a structured approach that helps people who are building applications to think about and find ways that their application might be attacked and then to design ways that will block or mitigate those attacks. So there's many, many different methodologies around, but if I was to summarize it, they, they all more or less break down roughly into three stages, I would say. So firstly, you decompose the application into its component parts, usually using some kind of diagram. And then when you've done that, you start asking questions about the decomposed application to try and guess how someone might attack it. So you try and get yourself into the mind of, a, of an attacker and ask questions about different parts and the kind of possible attacks that you find, they're, they're the threats. And then once you've done the threats, you start thinking about ways you might change the design of your application or the coding of your application to either block or avoid or minimize the threats. And that's what's the mitigation that's really what the what the aim of the game is to find mitigations the reasons i I like it and why people should do it is i'll give you three so one is it's it's a really great mechanism or or activity for building defense in depth so so defense in depth is it's a very strong kind of paradigm in security today and i think everyone intuitively understands what it is and why it's a good thing but it's quite often difficult to think how you're going to really do it in practice and threat modeling is probably i think the, the best way that i found in order uh, to help design um, defense in depth into your applications that's the, that's the first reason the second one is I, I think it forces you to think quite hard about security in a way that, that some security tools the, maybe the more automated tools like sas tools and scanners and things like that don't necessarily make you think very hard they kind of produce a report you fix the things that it says and you're done whereas threat modeling doesn't do that much for you i, I think it really causes you to to think deeply and as a result of that you develop a much better understanding in my opinion about about how security works or doesn't work in your application and then lastly, as an activity it's definitely best done as a team so usually I find that if you bring people from different perspectives into the into threat modeling sessions so people from user experience from development from testing from ops all those different perspectives come together to give you a you know i think a much more rounded and more effective session so as well as getting the depth that I mentioned it tends to give good breadth of security understanding across the team. So they're the, they're the three reasons why I, I personally find it uh, you know, a very compelling, very useful activity to do.
1: I like what you said about the second one. I said probably the first time I heard that regarding even other tools like SAS scanners where, as you said, it's almost you go in and say, OK, yes or no. But this one, it forces people to get their hands dirty, essentially, and, and work with it and help with the design. And it was a great answer. So okay, so what is Threat Dragon then? When did you start it, and what motivated you to do it?
3: Okay, well, well, threat modeling generally was something that we started doing in that cloud migration project that I mentioned earlier on, and I, I got hooked on it for the for the reasons I said. I just found it was a very very effective thing. At the time, we were we, well, we were we were a Microsoft house mostly, and the, there was there is free tooling around for for threat modeling. Basically, Microsoft provide a, a very commonly used threat modeling tool and it was really useful and i did most of my early threat modeling using that problems though is it wasn't cross-platform it was microsoft only which although we were mainly in microsoft house we did have significant mac estate in our uh, development community as well so that caused us a bit of a problem in terms of of adopting threat modeling more widely and also it wasn't open source which is uh, you know for me a, you know quite important thing and then generally speaking i thought that the The user experience of it, well, okay, it wasn't great. And I thought it probably, it could be done better, in my my opinion anyway. And then maybe the last thing is it it seemed quite hard, I think, to to integrate that tool or other tools into the wider software development lifecycle. And I think if something is a standalone activity that's not, you know, that's not integratable into what developers are doing more widely, then it's never really going to embed itself. It's never really going to succeed and, you know, significantly change the way that developers work. So all those things were kind of in my head while I was using the, the Microsoft tool and, and doing that stuff. And then when I, when I moved into a security role, I, I stopped doing software development, which I really, really enjoyed. So I was thinking to myself, well, you know, I want to start a project, an open source project just to keep my, my skills sharp and you know, to learn new things. And also at the time, I, I'd, I'd been mainly a C++ and a C, C Sharp developer through my career. And I, I sort of, I'd reached a point where I decided I needed to try and like to uh, you know, try to love JavaScript. I hated it actually at the time. So I thought I would I would do a force myself to do a, a quite complicated JavaScript based project. So Threat Dragon is as a um, JavaScript end to end. So it kind of forces me across the board to get interested in JavaScript. And I just uh, so I just decided to start it more or less for fun, really, to, to help me to learn to love JavaScript. And it, I made it an OWASP project. After a couple of months, gradually, well, slowly, it kind of got got some some popularity, and it's, it's taken off from there
0: are you guys looking for contributors on the project? How can people try it out? And what are the links to go and download this open source project?
2: Well, I I can probably answer that one straight away. So we are absolutely looking for contributors to the project. It's quite a high profile project. People seem to come from all over the place and talk to us and and raise issues and email, but we we don't have a huge team, and that's that's for sure. We probably have about two, three, or four people who have contributed over the last year. We've got something like over thirty issues that we'd like to solve that we we don't have the time for. So absolutely, anybody listening that wants to get involved, an open source project like this, which is JavaScript and OWASP, it's all it's all good. We have the repositories accessible under the in GitHub on, under the OWASP organization within GitHub. So you can clone them, have a look, change things, do a pull request, get in touch with us, and certainly we'll be encouraging and advising and helping and certainly accepting any any
0: contributions. All right, it looks like a really exciting project for people to get involved in. And uh, yeah, some great information. Thank you, John.
2: Oh, there is, a, a, of course, like all the OWASP projects, if you go to the OWASP main website and just search through the projects, you'll see that OWASP is an incubator project at the moment. It's on that list. And then once you click through, you'll, you'll find the OWASP Threat Dragon product page. And on there, there's things of how to get in touch
0: how to download it, how to start contributing. What's kind of the goal on the timeline to have it in uh, full production development?
2: Well, we actually feel that because we had 1.0 released, oh, that was earlier on this year. We're actually at release 1.2 now. So it's a usable product it's like the company i'm working for at the moment for drop we we use it in several development teams so i'd said it is production ready it's still incubator we hope to get it to lab project with an OWASP sometime this year? Where, and I know Mike's already talking to OWASP about yeah, we, getting it. We,
3: we submitted it for um, promotion to labs. But the way, the, the way that, that process works is they usually do the, the assessment of the projects at the appsec conferences, which of course was cancelled this year in Dublin because of, of the virus situation. So that's been postponed. They're hoping to do another OWASP conference in, in October and if that's not a you know proper face-to-face one, then we'll probably look to do a, a kind of like a um, a midterm review and um, hopefully promotion of the project. Then but John says that it's quite it's quite widely used. So it has the latest version has more more than a thousand downloads, and the web version has about a thousand unique visitors a week. You had a big release,
1: I think, in March, right? I remember we even yeah. posted that up on our site. So what, just kind of going back uh, as far as Threat Dragon. So some people listening may have never seen it before. At a really high level, what are some of the features? What would they expect to see when they download it?
3: It has two variants, really. So the the one that most people, are, I think, probably using is a, a the downloadable desktop version. But there is, a, there is a web variant as well, which essentially looks largely the same. In fact, it shares most of the same code, in fact. But it's, uh, we think, a quite friendly and, and nice to use user interface where you can create new models or the, you can download a sample model to kind of see how, how things look if you've never done threat modeling before or never used Threat Dragon before. And you can... You obviously can open models that you've previously created. You have a fairly simple form just to collect some basic data about the model. So you know a description of what it is, who the author is, and just a few sort of simple points like that. And most of the application really is about the, the diagramming. So it has a, has a diagramming palette where you can construct the, you know, I, I mentioned earlier on the, the decomposition of, of applications into their constituent parts. There's a part of the tool that allows you to do that. And then there's a, within the model, there's a way then you can capture some of the threats and the mitigations that you identify during your threat modeling and record them in the model. So then you can, you can transfer those into your issue tracking system or into user stories for you know, however you're doing your development, work on them, uh, and eventually close them in the model. It has a, a simple reporting feature as well where you can get a, you know, a big kind of document of describing what's, what threats are open, what threats are closed, and so forth as well. This
1: project has this great diagramming visual there but can be exported into this small text-based JSON file which then you can store like in a database. People even wanted to audit their threat models, for example. Maybe they're looking for gaps like missing labels or why are you using HTTP versus HTTPS? And even maybe future people thinking that, hey, we have a whole bunch of threat models here. Maybe we can even provide some predictive models from that using AI or machine learning. Have people ever talked to you about these types of use cases as well, extensions to Threat Dragon.
2: Ah, so that's a really good point. So the actual extensions of threat dragon is an interesting one that it's only starting to be discussed. So at the moment, we had last month a company come to us and provide us with a script to handle the JSON files, so that it plugged into Jira, Atlassian's Jira system. So that's I think the start of things to come. We we really want it to be built into continuous integration, continuous deployment pipeline. That's again on one of the things that will come in the future. And, and you're absolutely right. Once you get build up the threat models within a system, you know, the many multiple threat models, then you start getting into this is good data that can be used for other purposes or, or uh, further purposes. But yeah, I mean, and thinking maybe on the other end of the scale, it's, it's really useful that the Threat Dragon threat model is stored as a JSON file, you go, oh, well, you know, of course it is. But it does mean that it's text-based. This is really useful from my perspective, because when I work in a development team, we're often doing incremental threat modeling. We have small threat models, but many of them, they're Associated often with a particular feature. So what we do is we have the the JSON files alongside the source code that they describe, and that's really really useful for us. We can track that threat model as we would source code. We can see the differences when we revisit that threat model. We we find that's a really useful feature of Threat Dragon. It was one of the reasons why it's been adopted throughout ForgeRock, and also Mike, you, you touched on it the The ability to create a report from Threat Dragon as as a PDF or maybe a printed out report, that's also really useful for us because when we start releasing our products, we we, you know we have a fairly frequent release cadence. We, We we need that hard copy of I mean, notionally hard copy, a PDF format of the threat report that we attach to our threat documentation or our security documentation that we attach as part of our release process. So it's, it's often the simple things like it's JSON, it's text based, it gives us a PDF that are, are really useful to companies, as well as on the other end of the scale the threat models themselves are really good
3: data. It that the report was the most, before it was implemented, it was the most requested feature.
2: Mm-hmm. I can imagine, yeah, absolutely. It, it is fundamental to us. With our, our release documentation, those reports are always attached,
0: yeah.
1: I was talking to somebody yesterday about that and I said that, uh, especially if you start putting maybe even auditing into there where there might be pieces like labeling of a, a you know flow or something, but create these intentionally vulnerable threat models, IVT like oh no where <laughs> it can go in and audit and say hey uh, are you sure you want to do this or you're missing this piece and that adds it adds a quality to it in addition to as you were saying evidence that you do indeed have a threat model and here it is and
0: here's the quality of that threat
3: model potentially sure. vulnerable threat models and I thought of that <laughs>
0: And earlier, you guys mentioned the short-term plans for Threat Dragon. What are kind of the long-term goals of the project?
3: Well, there's quite a few. So I would say medium-term. I mean, the, the diagramming feature, I think, looks nice in, in Threat. i was always quite pleased with the way it looks, but it's it's actually proved, the library we use for doing the diagramming has proved quite hard for us to maintain the tools, especially if, if the library that we use has a major version change, we find it's quite breaking in terms of, uh, of what we do uh, you know how we how we update Threat Dragon to use it. And we also hit on a, a few limitations, particularly an undo feature, which again is maybe the second most requested feature, of the, the ability to undo, and that's proved quite difficult to actually implement. So we're thinking of switching to a new library. Draw I O is the one we're looking at. Problem with or not problem. The, the difficulty of that is that the diagramming library, as well as doing the diagram, it's also responsible for the model serialization, so the, the JSON files that we like. So we're going to have to work quite hard to make sure that you know, whatever we do with the new library stays backward compatible with people's models they've created already. That's a really important thing, I think. There's a, I mentioned there's a web version as well. And, and the problem with that, and, and actually this is the reason why there's a desktop version at all. It was originally only a web version. The problem with it is that it, it uses OAuth via GitHub for login. And, and it asks for too many permissions, really. If, if, if you ever try it, you, you'll see how many permissions it requires on your repositories. And that's put a lot of people off, I mean, quite understandably. So, and the reason for that is that the scope, the OAuth scopes, that are allowed by, by GitHub are quite coarse grained. So we need to do something about that. If the, if the web version is going to have a future, we we need to find a way to make it you know, more more appealing for people or you know less less greedy in terms of the permissions it wants. And then maybe the last medium term thing, the the it does have a, a rule engine which will generate or suggest threats for you, dependent on characteristics of the of the model elements that you've got. But it's very very limited at the moment. I, I, I would describe it really as a, as a stub or a, or a placeholder. Now the the intention is to is to extend that and, and to make it as something that that users can extend themselves. But I want to be I want to be quite careful about it. So you know I mentioned that I like threat modeling because it makes you think. I don't want to turn threat drag into a tool which tries to do too much. So it does you know you know one way you just press a button. It generates your your uh, threats, and you don't have to do anything. For me, it's a bit counterproductive to do that. So we need to find a balance between helping people and automating the routine tasks, but making sure that have that people have space to to do that hard thinking, which is you know really one of the fundamental benefits of it. So I would say the medium term goals. Longer term, I think the the main thing for me is the the pipeline integration. That was one of the original goals for the tool, and things like the the use of JSON were one of the reasons were kind of chosen with that in mind. But it's not I would say it's not really been followed through on yet. We've kind of still been in a phase of getting the tool stable and, and, and usable and so on. So longer term, I think that is the thing which will make it you know, really succeed and really seeing when, when teams can integrate it smoothly into the pipeline using either CLI tools or, or APIs or webhooks, that type of thing. So I really, I really feel quite passionately about, uh, about the abilities to get onto that, that kind of pipeline integration. So I think, I think it's going to be critical in terms of differentiating it from other products that you can...
0: Well, you've gotten me excited about it, Mike, and I look real forward to uh, trying it out over the weekend. And yeah, your heart's in it, and it's going to be a great product, and can't wait to try it out myself.
3: Well, you're very welcome. And uh, if you want to contribute, then you'll be very welcome to do that as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, play around with the code for sure. I've got your GitHub account up and found it, and it's a very interesting project.
1: So some teams out there have their own favorite threat modeling methodology like Stride, Dread, or, or even Pasta. If you were to talk to them and they ask, well, why should I adopt Threat Dragon? Is Threat Dragon independent of them or is it maybe better suited for some of these different methodologies for threat modeling?
2: That's a very good point. So I, I agree. I have worked with many teams and they, they tend to have their favorite methodology. So the teams i've worked mainly with their their favorite one is stride so and straight away threat dragon does support stride it suggests that methodology for the threats that you identify but i was talking to another team just this week where they said well actually they prefer the, the simplest one of all which is cia or cia AA, because they, they they felt that that stopped the discussions about you know was it this category or that category so they liked keeping it really simple so one of the things that we one of the issues that we we've raised with threat dragon that we'd really like help with or or it one of us will do it at some point is allowing the methodology to be chosen for a diagram we could lump them all together so you know you've got them all for every diagram could do every methodology that doesn't really sound very simple so probably we'll we'll say okay so this diagram uses dread this diagram uses stride linden is really we, we get a lot of uh, questions about that if if we're able to support that. So in principle so long as the methodology is based around a data flow diagram because threat dragon fundamentally is based around data flow diagram then then it shouldn't be too hard a job to have diagrams that understand stride, diagrams that suggest CIA, or, or Linden. Pasta and Dread, they're they're always slightly more difficult for Threat Dragon, I think. Uh, I could be wrong, Mike, but you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Because they're more of a quantifiable methodology. You know, you, you 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 score things and then you have this calculation at the end according to the gives you the risk. And that's really not. Doesn't fit well with Threat Dragon's philosophy of, you know, here's a diagram, do the data flow diagram, or we'll suggest some threats, talk about the threats, and then you're done.
3: I agree, John. I don't think it—it's it, it, intended to be a simple tool. So I, I think those those methodologies, PASTA and DREAD, are I mean, while powerful, I think relatively complex, and as you say, that's not really the philosophy of the tool—at least not at the moment.
0: All right, some great stuff. That's Threat Dragon. Do you guys have any other projects, events, or things you're working on coming up in the near future?
3: We had an opportunity to talk about Threat Dragon at the OWASP Open Security Summit. So we, we have a, a slot scheduled on June the fifteenth. I don't have the time unfortunately of the slot yet, but it should be demo and, and a discussion around the tool there. And also I I think it might be useful if I share a blog that I wrote. It, it was a blog on threat modeling and really some simple practical Tips on how to get started and mistakes to avoid. Mistakes that I've made over several years and suffered from. So it was it was intended to kind of help people avoid the mistakes I made. And w- one of them is what uh, John mentioned about getting hung up on, or how to avoid getting hung up on on spending too long trying to categorize threats exactly or attach them to exactly the right kind of model element. It's just really kind of practical tips like that. So hopefully we can share the link in, in the feed so we can have a look at that. People find it useful, so it would be worthwhile
0: sharing. Absolutely. That sounds like a great link, and we'll get it up there. And, and does anybody else have anything they'd like to add Really, a great podcast this week and a great tool.
2: Oh, it's been great to come along. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, and if we can do one last uh, call for collaborators on Threat Dragon, you will be welcomed.
3: Yes. Yep. Definitely welcomed.
1: Well, thank you both. We really appreciate your time and effort here. Stay healthy, stay safe. And of course, if you. Get a chance to come out to the Portland area. You're a welcome guest. would like to meet you guys in person. Yeah, thanks again, guys. It's
3: great. Thanks very much for having us. An excellent time. Great time.
0: To hear this podcast again, visit anywhere a podcast is played. For more information, go to OWASP.org forward slash www forward slash chapter forward slash Portland.